in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, every so often here on the Paracast, we answer the critics. Now, I know one particular critic who actually posted a message in iTunes complaining that we dare to respond to critics. Now, I don't know about you, but where is it written that we can't answer to people who object to what we do and how we do it? What do you think, Chris? Should we not talk about the critics? Well, I mean, come on. You know, if people want to complain or, you know, even have constructive criticism, I mean, I think it's beholden to us uh, to respond to it and address that. Of course, the common criticism is that we have too many commercials, but that applies to all commercial radio shows. You know, we have a fixed amount of commercials. It consumes about 25 or 26 percent of the content of the show. Same is true for all commercial talk shows in the United States. And as a matter of fact, for TV shows, which even offer more commercials. So your one hour TV drama takes 43 minutes. Is there any other way to work it out? I suppose, I suppose as TV and radio mature, as radio moves more and more online, we'll find better ways, but that's the way the system works now. We can't say we like all the commercials, but about nine minutes of those commercials are our own. What that means is if you find an announcement for a product or service that we are advertising, we'd like you to consider it. Because what that means is income to the show, or we get to sell some of our own stuff. So I don't think anything's wrong with that. There has been talk of a premium ad-free version. I can't say it's going to happen. I know other shows do it. But I have been talking to the network, and let's just say the door is not closed to the idea. But if you're saying that we break for commercials every five minutes and we have six minutes of commercials, that's exaggerated. There you go. I will not respond or ask Chris to respond to the problem where they attack his character or they say that he speaks with chewing tobacco in his mouth or something. (laughs) Or is it a bagel? Is it a bagel? You know, if you're eating a bagel, it's hard to talk because bagels are so thick, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, what can I say? I'm, uh, you know, doing the best I can. I've never claimed to be uh, a smooth uh, professional broadcaster like Eugene. I'm I'm more of the color commentary kind of guy, and uh, as long as you can hear what I'm saying, I, you know, and understand, you know, the meaning behind my words. I don't think there should be any any problems with that. If there are, I don't know, recommend a speech therapist or something. I, <laughs> you know, when I went to broadcasting school, which has got to be over forty years ago, we had voice exercises where we would sit there and read aloud all sorts of tongue twisters and things. So imagine me sitting here doing absolutely nothing but reading classic tongue twisters like She Sells Seashells Down by the Seashore, Susie's Sister Sewed Socks for Soldiers. That's why I keep this around, by the way. So if my tang gets tongled, I have an out. (laughs) Well, again, I I think content is uh, way more important than form, and um, that's why so many podcasts out there that may not have the production quality and production values and you know the the trained voiceover personnel uh but they have good guests that's uh, they become popular and and people listen to them because they're more interested in the guest and the content than they are in the delivery although i must say gene uh you and i 
do have a reputation of being up to speed on the subjects that, uh, you know, our guests are uh, expert in or aspiring experts in. And, you know, I've always taken it as my challenge to come up with something uh, that challenges the guests and maybe uh, gives them information that they didn't know beforehand. So, I mean, I, I always kind of look at that as my role of, of being as up to speed in these subject areas as, as possible. You know, one other criticism they make is that we give our own opinions. Well, you know, this is not the kind of show where we just sit back and say, okay, tell me something. If we have an opinion, we will express it. No. Whether you agree with it or not. If you don't like it, well, there are other radio shows where the host will simply ask a few dumb questions, sit back, have a banana, and listen to the response. Or maybe listen to the response. It's like the classic joke you say about lame talk show hosts where someone says, okay, what did you do yesterday? And the guest says, well, I am a serial killer. I killed 12 people. And then the host says, do you have any hobbies? <laughs> well, with the release of my, my new book, I've done quite a number of radio shows and podcasts over the last two months. And uh, the ones that always get me are the ones that, you know, ask, could you send us like a list of a dozen or so questions that we can ask you? And it's like, you know, it's it's their job to be up to speed in the subject matter that, you know, their guests are involved with. And, you know, to me, that's just that's a lazy way of of attempting to, you know, get information out to their to their listening audience. I, I you know, we never <laughs> ask anybody to send us questions to ask uh, our guests. Uh, I, it's I don't know. Well, I know with one or two of our guests where they had major publicists, like they wrote a book for a large publishing company, you would get a press release where they would give suggested questions. Yeah. And I pride myself with never, ever reading them. Yeah. I ask my own questions for better or worse. Another criticism, that we constantly attack other talk show hosts. Now, I don't know about you. I think the worst we've said is some are lazy. But we don't name them. All right, we name George Norrie of Coast to Coast because that's the number one show. But we're not attacking George Norrie as a person. I gather he's a very nice guy. I'm sure Chris and I would sit back at our favorite Middle East restaurant and enjoy some kebab with him or something. Yeah. No, we, George, is a, he's a sweet guy. He really is. And he does. He's quite a singer, too, from what I, I've heard. Oh? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If George sends us one of his songs... Maybe we'll play it, as long as we have permission to air it, sure. <laughs> well, you can sing, Chris. Oh, boy. Yeah. I've You're a been musician and everything. You're a rock and roller. <laughs> Excuse me, let me use the right voice. You're a rock and roller! They'll now get me for doing bad imitations. But let me say this. The one thing I could say about that is both the late Wolfman Jack, whose real name is Bob Smith, and Gene Steinberg were both born in Brooklyn, New York. Okay, but, but he made about 10,000 times more money than I did, except I'm still here. He's gone. Yeah. There you go. So that's the criticisms. Now, I'm going to play this little recording, which Chris is aware of, where I respond to the criticisms. You're a lying sack of crap. You're a lying sack of crap. You're a lying, scheming, stinking, nasty sack of liquid crap. Okay. With apologies, ladies and gentlemen, to Stephanie Miller, a talk show host who featured and or created that sound effect. We've had such a run of great guests. It's almost impossible to top them 
from one week to the next, but we're going to do it. This week, we're going to feature Ted Rowe, and he's associated with an organization called the National Aviation Reporting Center on Anomalous Phenomena, or NARCAP. Now, some years back, we featured his associate there, Dr. Richard Haynes, their chief scientist. And this is an organization that is devoted to scientific exploration of what they call unidentified aerial phenomena. Now, that's their term for UFOs, and we're going to ask Ted to explain how that works out. We're going to talk about their best cases and maybe learn a bit more about what he thinks UAP may in fact be. This is going to be a tremendous show. We've been in touch with Ted for a number of years. Occasionally, he posts message in our forums at forum.theparacast.com. Our listeners have also been there asking some really interesting questions. And this also means that if you have a question, all you have to do is go to forum.theparacast.com, look for the board entitled The Question Bank, where we set up a topic or thread for an upcoming guest. There's going to be a lot of solid information here, not speculation, information. Our guest, once again, coming up next, Ted Rowe of NARCAP with Gina and Chris. You're in the Paracast. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Mike Stennerson for Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy. So you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. 
But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X dot com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. This week on the Paracast, we welcome Ted Rowe of NARCAP to the Paracast. Now, some years back, as our listeners recall, we had Dr. Richard Haynes, who Ted works with over at NARCAP, and he presented a lot of fascinating information but for those listeners who haven't heard us present discussions about NARCAP or are not familiar with the organization because you don't have a reality TV show based on NARCAP as you do with like MUFON, Ted, welcome to the show. Can you tell our listeners about the organization? How was it established and why? Aloha, Gene, and uh, hello to your listeners. Yes, we were, we were uh, established in uh, 1999 uh, after a number of conversations between Dr. Haynes and myself, to address uh, aviation safety factors that seem to crop up in some aviation-related uh, UFO encounters. Uh, at the time, we felt that the term UFO was a bit limiting and inaccurate, so we adopted a term that's more common in the international research community, which would be unidentified aerial phenomena. The, the Chilean team uses uh, anomalous aerial phenomena, French use rare atmospheric phenomena, so we tried to choose a term that was more accurate. And, and then we have subheadings, unidentified aerial phenomena slash light, unidentified aerial phenomena slash object or UFO. Um, so Now, therefore, unidentified aerial phenomena is not specifically an equivalent of UFO. Well, it's not specifically an equivalent of an alien spaceship, let's put it that way. Uh, it remains unidentified after examination of, with of adequate data by people who are qualified to make an analysis. 
So if you have enough information to identify it and it still remains unidentified by people who know what they're doing, then you have a UAP. Okay, but you're not prepared to say that's ET. Well, it's a very difficult line to walk there uh, in uh, because some cases are clearly provocative, but but you're, we're always missing certain key information that, that would allow us to make that statement. If we didn't see it come from space or see it leave to space, then we can't be certain it came from space originally, for example. If you see something hovering over a tree that's unusual, sure, it's unusual. You document everything you can, but what you can't do is document what's going on inside it or where it came from, you know, what its intentions are, et cetera. So it's difficult in that way to make a, a a definitive statement. All right. This is a big discussion here because, as you know, a lot of the people in UFO field believe that UFOs are extraterrestrial. I always argue it's a process of elimination on their part. They say, well, it doesn't seem to be conventional, therefore it's got to come from out there. But you're taking a far more nuanced look at this thing, which to me, as a matter of fact, is probably closer to the viewpoint that we hear on the Paracast take. Well, well, nuance is the key here. There are probably natural phenomena that account for some UAP reports, and until we can weed them out, learn what they are, give them a name, identify them, and move them away from the, the, the collective description of UAP, until we can weed it out and get down to the fine points, uh, we, we, we can't be certain what, what it is we're looking at. Not all UAP, not all unidentified aerial phenomena are technical in nature, you know, or have technical attributes. Let's put it that way. Uh, and and uh, some of them, uh, there there are some uh, ideas of, around what's called extreme ball lightning, for example, which are large, slow-moving, uh, bright balls of light uh, with a whopping potential in them that could just evaporate an aircraft if it struck them. Uh, and they're not under intelligent control, and there's no reason to believe that they'll get out of the way if you see one in, in your path. And pilots aren't really advised that such things exist. And until we can sort those out from the larger data set, we can't, we, we can't be sure what all people are seeing out there, except in the most obvious cases and taking them at face value. Let's focus further on the things you're doing. But just let me mention parenthetically here, APRO, which had a lot of ties to Latin American cases, they would call it unidentified aerial object as opposed to phenomena. And I guess the distinction being here is you're looking at all sorts of things that are not explained, but they can't quite be put in the category of an object. Right. I mean, if you see a ball of light, you don't know if it's masking an object or if it's just a a complete 360 energetic radiator with no mass in the middle of it. Uh, You know, there's a lot of basic questions here. Earth lights, for example, uh, it's a common manifestation to see orange balls of light. I've seen them myself at a site in the southwest U.S. where they manifest. And uh, pilots report orange balls of light at altitude. And are they the same phenomena? And how do we know? And can we be certain? And, and, and. You know, it, uh, if you really want to understand what's going on here, you realize it is nuanced. And it's going to take time. It's going to take time and a lot of work to resolve these cases. So let me ask you here very briefly, and we'll get into this in more detail in our other segments. We have some people in the UFO field who not only maintain that UFOs must be ET, and I'm separating the term UFO from UAP because it's not the term they use. They say we're being visited by spaceships 
further that the governments of Earth, particularly the U.S. government, have guilty knowledge of this, and therefore we should urge them to disclose what they know. Is that a cop-out? Well, it, it, it's another track. Um, uh, I, I think that, that in 60 years of trying to persuade governments that are believed to be withholding information to talk about it, it hasn't been terribly successful. Uh, um, they've put their cases out there, but if they've done any extracurricular work on it, we're not aware of it. Um, uh, I don't think it's a cop-out, really, but um, I, I think that they bring belief systems with them when they carry these ideas. And if they haven't adequately proved it, um, their assertions are di- are hard on those of us who are actually doing the science. It hurts our credibility. Um, when, when we go to try to talk to uh, um, uh, representatives of government, for example, and we want to uh, um, uh, convince them that we have research that, that, that indicates that we should be looking more closely at these phenomena, um, and others have come before with, with more airy-fairy kind of uh, ideas, um, less uh, credible ideas, um, we, it, we tend to get lumped in with them, no matter how careful we are, and, and it doesn't help us. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't really know how effective these drives at government are in terms of making change um, on this subject. In my experience, most government officials are as ignorant on this subject as everybody else is. Let's talk a little bit more about NARCAP and more about the history. It came together in 1999. How did you set things up and more about how you do the things that you do and also about maybe some of the most significant case histories you've accumulated so we get a sense of the kind of evidence that you've looked at, and maybe also some of the stuff that didn't pass muster and why. And we'll get into that more as we progress with this week's episode. Our guest is Ted Rowe. The organization is NARCAP. And if you go to narcap.org, you'll find more about the organization and its mission. You're on with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The premier independent talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know.
I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now, 1-888-912-1595, 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595, 1-888-912-1595. What good is a big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, and in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's Powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. We have Ted Rowe from NORCAP, and this is an organization that obviously has a heavily scientific bent. So let's start from the beginning there. We kind of went away from it, that you were founded in 1999. How did you set this up, and how do you continue your focus? Well, I I met Dr. Haynes kind of uh, under interesting circumstances. I had had a a UAP encounter of my own, actually. I was a layperson, and... uh, 
pretty familiar with the UFO community. I'd spent 10 years studying it, trying to make sense of things that I'd seen and experienced myself. And um, I ended up making a report to the NASA PR office at Ames Research Center. And Dr. Haynes got back to me. And in the course of going through that investigative process and sharing that information and learning uh, a, a bit about uh, UFO research, uh, we came to be friends, and um, uh, he eventually came to me with an idea he had for a uh, international aviation reporting center. He had felt that a lot of aviation cases had aviation safety factors that were being overlooked by the the aviation community, and and that he thought that championing those ideas might help reveal a little bit of information about the UFO problem. Uh, and I and I agreed with him. It seemed to me one of the one of the more relevant approaches. So we got to talking about how to get it set up. He had many contacts and friends of his own uh, to, to man, man the research side of things. And I had plenty of experience in administration. So I, I, I sort of took over the, the image management and, and uh, internal processes of the organization itself. And between us, we, um, we built it into about 55 more or less members uh, technical specialists, uh, research associates, international specialists, etc. In 2010, I started getting emails from uh, Chilean Air Force generals, uh, and the result of that was a, a, a written agreement of uh, collaboration and research agreement with the uh, Chilean government, and we've helped them on a number of cases since. Uh, our contacts in France are strong, so our relationship with GPAN is pretty good, although it's not official. Uh, we're presenting at one of their close symposiums here in a month. So our, our star just rose by sticking to the, the rules uh, as far as science goes, uh, just sticking to the, the basics of what uh, we were trying to do and not extrapolating our data very far. That's not to say that some of these cases aren't provocative. There are, I, I think they need to be looked at all they need to be looked at much more closely and and as far as um, the idea of extraterrestrial incursions we can't rule it out a careful look at the u.s air force studies uh the battelle institute uh special report 14 was pretty clear that uh, uh what the air force was claiming outwardly and what their data was showing were two different things and that that some of these unidentifieds are, are very provocative and need to be resolved um, so how you go about doing that it, it's a big subject yeah, and and we obviously we want to get into that subject and also uh, discuss some of the cases that you're you're working on with uh, with the Chilean uh, officials. But Ted, you kind of mentioned something there at the onset about uh, your own personal experiences that that helped kind of jumpstart your interest in this subject. Why don't you describe some of your own personal experiences that you've had uh, with uh, UAPs uh, and give our listeners a sense of how you were motivated to get involved in a, in such a, you know, an extensive manner. Well, it's a personal story and kind of convoluted. I, I've, I've trended towards keeping it out of the media for the last 15 years, but, but, uh, I, I don't mind sharing it with you guys, uh, in general, uh, over the course of my life, I've been exposed to UAP of the, uh, the kind that everybody is most concerned about. Um, probably, I, uh, a dozen times for the most, most part, um, sometimes at very close quarters. I don't really understand why or what what it's about, but uh, but it's provocative and it's uh, disturbing. And uh, in 1991, I, I, I believe it was 91, I was watching CNN and 
General Wilfred de Brouwer from uh, NATO command in Belgium was asking the world who these uh, aircraft that his uh, Air Force was chasing around the country belonged to with these unusual flight characteristics. And uh, it kind of sparked my memories of the family seeing these things and uh, having to deal with the fallout of it. Uh, we all kind of just smoothed it over and didn't talk about it really, but it was more than one time. And then I had several of them. And, uh, I'd just kind of forgotten about them, um, but that triggered something. And so I started reading and studying and, and then, uh, uh, next thing you know, I, I, I'm having a cluster of these experiences again, and I report them and I end up, uh, one of the people I'd been studying was Dr. Haynes and, uh, out of the woodwork, here he comes. And, uh, uh, we, we had a meeting in, uh, 2008, I believe it was in San Jose and who was present, but, uh, uh, former major general Wilbur DeBrower. <laughs> so it's been a very strange um, experience. The UAP that I, I've seen um, of the technical type involves spheres and discs and cylinders. And uh, and then I've been out in the desert and seen uh, what are called earth lights and other types of uh, poorly understood phenomena as well. So I've been exposed to all of it. I, I don't have any answers about any of it um, other than uh, I listen very carefully when somebody says they've seen something. I know how strange it can be. Um, <laughs> you know again, now what you're just, telling us here is very very general that you had sightings of all sorts of things cylinders things like that in the sky can you give us more details on any particular case it just stands out this is the most well, incredible well, one I had I, I, I can offer one for you I was standing on my deck on uh, drive in Orinda, California which overlooks the freeway uh, about a quarter mile below and I caught some movement out of the corner of my eye and I looked to my left and I saw a black round sphere moving up the ridge line towards the house and um, it came to a stop about 50 feet in front of me out in front of the over the deck there was a guy down below mowing his lawn and I yelled at him he looked up and I pointed at it and he looked at it too and we both stood there and watched it and then it it just kind of retreated away from me and then went over the opposite ridge line and disappeared um very close no idea why um like i said maybe 12 times in my entire life i'm 54 years old uh, um it probably all adds up to maybe 10 12 minutes of experience direct um and uh very very few answers and i'm not terribly satisfied with ufology's engagement of it so um i've tried to just Hold, hold to my own standards on this. I'm a hard point on the spear uh, in terms of uh, listening to our reporters. I, I advocate for them, and I'm careful in doing it. Um, but uh, um, uh, that was one example. Uh, the, the one that, that got me in contact with Dr. Haynes was a, a bit more puzzling. Uh, it was a very close approach by a large cylindrical object that uh, uh, with very unusual attributes, and it's uh, Parked it, kind of parked itself in front of our car as we were driving down the road, less than its own length from our windshield, and uh, that lasted for a bit. It was very uncomfortable, and uh, for months afterwards, I wasn't I wasn't able to explain it adequately. So I wrote a a terse little note, little little couple of sentences to the PR office at Ames Research Center, asking if anybody was interested in knowing anything about this. I I wanted to talk to somebody. Doctor Haynes got back to me. We worked on it from there. Um, again, I, I, I have nothing but empathy for people who experience these things. 
Um, I, 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 I advise them all to be very careful with what they do with their minds uh, around these things. Um, the urge to think that you're special or different uh, it can be overwhelming and may not be correct and may not serve you, you know. So uh, there's, a, um, there's a lot of considerations around all this. I, I just ask people not to hand their minds over to somebody else. If they don't know the answer, live with the I don't know. You know, be, be satisfied with that until you can get an answer that you can depend on. Don't don't just adopt them. So don't least. just assume there's an answer and that someone else has the answer because you might find yourself barking up the wrong tree. Ted Rose, executive director of NARCAP. This is Gene with Chris. You're in the Paracast. largest independently owned communications network GCN Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike it's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget a former US military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Hey everyone, have you heard about the no-no hair removal device that's sweeping the globe? If you want to go weeks without shaving and get smooth, professional quality results, here's our favorite host Cheryl for no-no hair removal. Thanks. Hey gals, I love talking about my no-no. It's this cute little hair removal system that you can take with you and use almost anywhere at home or on the road. No more expensive in-office treatments, painful waxing, and no more wasting your valuable time. Got unwanted facial hair? No-no hair has patented Thermacon technology that works on all hair and skin colors. So it's perfect for using on all body parts. And now you can take advantage of this incredible risk-free trial. Get the No-No, the facial kit, a travel case, and a $100 discount shopping card. And you don't risk a penny to try it. Try the incredible No-No hair completely risk-free. Call 1-800-953-6062. That's 800-953-6062. 800-953-6062. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, 
capsicum, six vegetable, and black bean olive. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today. Eat them every day, take them camping, or save them for an emergency. Check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon. That's 30dayfoodsupply.com, where all of our products are produced in Oregon by Oregon Trail Foods, 30dayfoodsupply.com. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design Design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's Dr. O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we're talking to Ted Rowe, Executive Director of NARCAP, and we're focusing on his personal experiences. Briefly speaking, people will want to know, can you tell us... What's your day job? <laughs> well, um, I, I, along with NARCAP, I, I teach uh, free diving here in Hawaii, breathhold diver uh, teacher. I, I used to be a, 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 I used to work in offices, project management type stuff on the main. Once the economy collapsed, I, I stepped over here to do that. I also teach martial arts and am preparing to a course for the uh, local uh, uh, Soto Daifukuji Zen Temple here. Uh, so I'll be teaching out of that shortly so basically speaking here let's not get on your bad side <laughs> I, I try not to have a bad side I, i'm pretty open to everybody uh i'm not going to embrace what everybody thinks but uh they can think what they want to let me look at your sightings here now the key about it here is that from what you tell me these this phenomena does show evidence of intelligent control right there are profiles of UAP that seem to do that. They seem to be technical manifestations. I don't know whose, but they're, they're, they have technical qualities to them. And the, if you can describe their behaviors, you would try to uh, apply attributes of intelligence, yes. I'm thinking um, specifically of the things you saw. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my personal experiences, I think some of those are uh, technical manifestations. I think others, I'm not, uh, the jury's out. on. Okay, so... Having seen things that show evidence of intelligent control, unknown aerial phenomena showing intelligent control, obviously you have cases on file at NARCAP of things also indicating some sort of intelligent control. So it follows then, what sort of intelligence are we talking about? Well, yes, it, 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 th- that would be in the next round of questions, I, I, I suppose. Um, 
Yeah, we, we, there's a lot to be done in terms of just teasing these profiles apart and understanding them. Uh, one, one of the efforts we undertook at NARCAP was called Project Sphere. And it, it was a, a, a case study of UAP that present as spherical lights or objects. And so we took one category, one profile, and we examined it. And, and we, we examined the scope of these manifestations, how big they are, the altitudes they manifest at, whether they have dynamic trajectories or not, um, and so on, what we would call their behaviors per se. Um, and, and that needs to be done for every profile of UAP, and it just hasn't been done yet. Um, we need to do that for those that are reported as disc-shaped objects, those that are reported as um, cylinders, um, and so on. And we really need to, uh, as you mentioned earlier, look at the nuance. Um, and, and then we can come to some kind of conclusions on, in terms of just what it is we're looking at. The, the flip side of the problem, though, Gene, is, is the extraterrestrial hypothesis and the concern that if any one of these things is a manifestation of an extraterrestrial incursion, we, can, we as, as humanity cannot afford to be missing this if it's happening. Uh, it, it could be very toxic and very dangerous. Um, it's it's an incursion until we can determine whether it's benign or benevolent or not. Um, and as an incursion, it's a security risk. And I, I don't think humanity is at all prepared to deal with what that means or to even be able to detect it accurately or correctly. Everything science tells us at this point is that we live in a, a populated universe. And chances are very good that those that populate that universe are much older than we are and much more capable. So we, we, we need to have an open mind and open eyes, and we need to be looking at these phenomena carefully and making sure that we know what they are and what they're not, uh, and making good judgment calls based on that information. And I just don't think the infrastructure is in place yet. I don't think that the, the powers that are, um, are are focused properly as they should be on, on what this is and what it means. Um, and that's assuming that there's no shadow government and you're not buying into the conspiracies. You're not going that far as to suggest that there's a shadow government or some kind of black project that's aware of what's going on in terms of unidentified phenomena? You know, there are certain clues in our in the history of the examination of the phenomena that, that cause us to suspect certain things. Uh, 1952, 53, and 54 were kind of watershed years where the, the government and the military went from a, a positive relationship with the general public around the subject to a uh, a dismissive and uh, closed um, uh, approach to the, the topic. And I'm not sure what was disclosed in those years. I do know that there were certain events that are uh, that would be considered provocative, the manifestations over Washington, D.C. in 52, for example. Um, uh, but then we had the Robertson panel. Well, in I was good, just going to say the Robertson panel had a lot to do with the uh, change. Exactly. And academia uh, has has uh, embraced those recommendations wholeheartedly. Uh, whether that adds up to a shadow government or, or bad judgment or whatever it is, I don't know. Um, there are probably other historians, Richard Dolan and others, that might have a better take on that. Um, but uh, uh, just assuming just assuming that all is as it's been laid on the table, um, then I would say that, that Earth is not prepared. Earth could not protect itself. Uh, from alien incursions and the fallout that that we face even from potentially benign incursions would be massive and uh, uh, difficult for the uh, for our culture to manage um, uh, and I don't really think it's been well thought out 
uh, by anybody. Just what what that means if if, if we find ourselves detecting these ET incursions, uh, as 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 thousands of people tell us every year they're seeing. Well, th- so. that brings something to mind that that has always puzzled me, and that is the possibility of a sizable percentage of these unknowns uh, could possibly be some sort of exotic earthbound technology that's being tested and possibly being being uh, made operational that is then cited by pilots spot, spotted by by witnesses and you know of course the automatic assumption is that these are off-planet intelligences operating with impunity within our airspace have you guys seen uh, in your database a like a an increase in sighting events that may be uh these types of black projects let's say era exotic aerial technology it, it's probable that some of the profiles in our databases um, are representative of, of black projects of one kind or another. Um, it, it, whenever we think we might be looking at something like that, we withdraw from it. Um, we have an obligation to respect the government, respect you know our, our security, and not dig into things that that are easily uh, or that that the world is shouldn't really know about. Um, uh, and and. We don't have a lot of cases like that. I mean, most of the cases that we see fit, fit the Heineck standard of high strangeness. Uh, uh, they fall into that general category. But uh, um, uh, uh, like I said, if we thought we were dealing with anything that was nationally secure, national security oriented, we would drop it like a hot potato. Um, we do have problems as, as drones and, and other types of aircraft are, are operating in U.S. airspace with reports that, that – uh, represent things that people hadn't seen before and um, uh, are a challenge to us to weed out of the overall data um, and we, we put it, we we recently did a study examining drone uh, activity uh, and, and asking ourselves whether we could determine drones from UAP and how we might do that so uh, it's a concern well, that raises a very big question here, which is the guilty knowledge on the part of the government. I mean, this stuff has been going on at least since 1947, 67 years, and possibly for many years before that. So I'm going to ask you, and we're going to have to break in a little over a minute so we can start the answer here and pick it up in our next segment. And that is, do you have any suspicion of what sort of guilty knowledge the governments really have about what's going on. Hmm. Well, yes, um, the uh, to a point. I mean, the U.S. Air Force was founded in in September of 1947 with early marching orders to acquire intelligence information on flying discs and and so on, and that was based on a lot of information that had been acquired prior to that by the military. Um, I think the phenomenon has been around all along. The reports. Uh, increased as we fielded a global army with central reporting um and you see the bell curve go up in the mid 40s as we as we move out into the world um so uh so to a point i would say yes there there is some guilty knowledge there somebody knows something or suspects something but but again it's hard to tell how far how far how deep that goes we have uh, we've seen how incompetent government can be so i have to wonder about how competent they would be with something so big. So basically here, it may be they're so incompetent they couldn't even recognize 
the existence of something strange if it was staring at them in the face. I'll ask more questions about this, me and Chris. In our next segment, we have Ted Rowe of NARCAP with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Henry Ford once said, a man who stops advertising to save money is like a man who stops a clock to save time. Alex Castle here, the National Account Executive at GCN. I have the ability to customize a national radio campaign based on your budget while targeting your demographic. Contact me to find out how national radio can help your business be more profitable at 877-996-4327, extension 177. That's 877-996-4327, extension 177, and help me help you bring your business to the next level. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Americans have always been ready to defend, to serve, and to honor those who defended and are defending all of us. So this month, the freeze-dry guy honors and serves Americans with our meat, rice, and potato sale. Our unit includes four number 10 cans of quality Mountain House cooked diced beef, ground beef, diced chicken, white rice, and two cans of FDG dehydrated diced potatoes. 158 servings per case unit. And during the freeze-dry guy's meat, rice, and potato sale, get one case for only one two cases for only $3.55, or get three cases for only $5.15, and all come with lots of valuable freebies. For details, click freezedryguy.com and hurry. Sale ends soon. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Plus, free shipping to the lower 48 states from the Freeze Dry Guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Paracast with Gene and Chris, Ted Rowe, the executive director of NARCAP, joins us. And we got so much to discuss. So, obviously, we can see where the government can sometimes do things right, and when it comes to the VA, do things very wrong. So is there the suspicion here that the U.S. government particularly is not competent enough to recognize the existence of something really strange, really significant out there? Well, it, it, it might be, but it could also suffocate any dialogue about it in its own ranks. For example, we have these UFO research teams in France and in uh, Chile, which are mandated to study these things and to provide information to, the, to their, their public. Um, and they're they're tolerated within their government, but their recommendations and their studies and, and so on don't carry a lot of weight. So when we have the same kind of problem here, you know, where we, where 
these things are seen. And, and it's probable that the military had uh, quite a lot of activity around. My, my father was involved in a, uh, a UFO pursuit squadron of refitted uh, Sabre jets out of El Toro back in the mid-50s, I think it was. And he said they never found anything, but but it was run by the Air Force out of uh, Marine Air, Air Force Base or Marine Air Base. They were tasked with actually chasing after UFOs? Right. They, they had refitted uh, Sabre jets into two-seaters with a uh, radar operator in the back. And my dad was uh, fresh out of air traffic control school in the Marine Corps. They were grabbing radar operators out of that to uh, fly on these sorties against uh, unidentifieds when they thought they had them. So they took them real seriously then. Well, certainly. And, and Air Force bases uh, into the 60s and 70s, had every one of them had a UFO officer, somebody who was tasked with dealing with UFO on the bases. And when there were encounters with, with uh, UAP, uh, they would crate up the aircraft itself and ship it off to God knows where, and along with all relevant reporting. So, you know, there, there's been an interest in this all along. Um, but my concern is that that really the... The focus has been sort of moved out of government into private industry. And if anybody's calling any shots in this area, it's probably in the uh, the contractors that provide the sensing platforms for the government and operate them on contract for the government. They're the ones that probably detect these things and see what's going on. They're more likely, I would think, to be in the know on these matters than, than even the government itself might be, although certain military aspects are probably clued in certain intelligence aspects were probably aware as well this is all speculation you know but but it seems there's a rich history of government interest in this subject and and hasn't been very forthcoming about it so we're left to speculate the implication being here they've outsourced ufo research they could very well have and not necessarily done it voluntarily how Um, so not voluntarily well, you know, the corporations are very powerful. You know, I, Eisenhower warned us of the military industrial complex actually outweighing national interest, you know, um, in that, that the, the issue of, of having control over and control over our futures um, is, is jeopardized by corporate uh, uh, domination. And uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all that those who are tasked with building these black projects for the government, um, uh, at some point, could have gained control over the information itself. Right, and that would be out of the reach of uh, freedom of information requests and and any sort of uh, attempt by you know the private sector to try to gain information from uh, proprietary companies that uh, have no obligation to supply that information, answers to questions, that sort of thing. So it would make sense to me. That's a great way to keep it uh, as out of reach and compartmentalized as as possible absolutely and then and then there's another way to look at it too if, if the if, if if it was decided amongst the intelligence community that there was truly a threat related to the ufo matter like the robertson panel suggested um uh that and and but but more than what the robertson panel suggested uh their first concern was the the you know, they, when when discussing a possible ET incursion, was the so if if this information um, somehow was determined to be detrimental to human society, um, they probably wouldn't even want any aspect of the information getting into human society. If they thought that that influenced by an extraterrestrial intelligence um, would be toxic 
to humanity, they wouldn't even allow the discussion of the possibility of existing manifest. Assuming they're competent enough to even realize that. Well, if they are, I mean, if that's their logic, you know, that uh, then it's a tactical consideration managed by a resistance. So then you find yourself wondering if you're second guessing things you shouldn't be talking about at all, <laughs> you know. Uh, the, uh, and and the answer is really we don't know. And the best way I know of to get these answers is just to do science, to do the work, uh, to build the data to understand the situation and all of its nuances and then come to a good conclusion about what it is you're dealing with that, that's effective and safe and, uh, and that has the best interests of humanity in, in mind. Well, this is not a new uh, problem that the government has either publicly or privately been concerned with. Back in World War II and then after World War II, we had the onset of uh, uh, very intriguing phenomenal events uh, that were dubbed uh, in the in the case of World War II Foo Fighters, and then later on in Sweden we had the Ghost Rocket uh, scenario, which also included uh, possibility of like ghost planes and that sort of thing. Now, what is NARCAP's official um, opinion, and what is your personal opinion of what these Foo Fighter objects reported by pilots during World War II were? Well, you know, the Foo Fighter term, if I remember correctly, came out of a Black Widow squadron that was operating uh, off the coast of Japan, I believe. And they were encountering uh, um, UAP that, that were giving them radar returns, um, and they called them Foo Fighters. Um, there, uh, there were also reports in the bomber squadrons of all the participants in the European theater, um, and the Japanese as well, that, that encountered UAP uh, lights and objects um, in in the course of their missions, and um, so again, this kind of tells me that the phenomenon has been around for a while. What they were, I don't know. Um, uh, these uh, uh, organized plasmas. Uh, I mean, the list could be anything. There could be um, an energetic relationship between the aircraft and the environment. Well, one of our researchers, uh, uh, Richard Spalding, offered uh, a study of that particular focus uh to the project sphere analysis and it, and it's a bit provocative is is uh, he works for sandia labs um atmospheric physicist but uh, um there there are um there are some ideas but but again we have to work the nuances we have to actually do the do the work and and, and to, to have anything to suggest uh in, in my own personal opinion i i think that it, it's it um it's consistent with what's being reported right up to the present um and that um Recently, the Argentinian uh, government uh, tasked a team to study UAP phenomena, and uh, we received a uh, a compendium of uh, UAP reports involving aviation safety uh, from from the Argentinians, and they're just the same types of reports that we have here. You know, they're 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 really no different. You could be reading, except for the the Hispanic names, you would be reading the same kinds of reports that we have here in the U.S. Um, back over 50 years. Um, we, we have a report in our, our files in 1926 of a guy who was accosted by six flying manhole covers, as he called. Them. So, uh, again, the jury's out in terms of what they are, but, uh, uh, but they are. I think long-term listeners to the Paracast are quite aware of this, but I realize some of you have not listened to the show all these years. Some of you are new listeners, so let me just say this again. 
you know, when you say <laughs> flying manhole covers, I started thinking about certain UFO photographs that we all know about and we're not going to mention, especially certain photographs from the so-called one-armed man in Europe that mm-hmm. we don't want to mention his name. Or the, the twins that shall not be named in Hawaii. Oh, yeah, yeah, we so. don't. He knows what we're talking about. I know exactly I, who you're talking about. Ted Rowe is definitely with it. From NARCAP with Gene and Chris in <laughs> the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the fields is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. Question. 
Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So you see, we don't want to mention those twins and about the fact that they cast a bad light on people in Hawaii. But they also film Hawaii Five O there. Oh, yeah. All right. And I, I see Dog driving around here every now and then, too. He lives here on the island. Who is that? Uh, Dog the Bounty. Dog the Bounty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of hard to miss. <laughs> yeah, hard to miss. <laughs> yeah. You kind of started with this in the last segment, and maybe we should talk about it. Since NARCAP has been around now, what, over 14 years, can you mention maybe one or two of the best cases you've gotten? Well, sure. Um, uh, we have one. What, uh, we, we've been doing photo analysis. That's one of Dr. Haynes' fortes. And uh, uh, one of our photo analysis cases, I think, is pretty good. It, it uh, involves an airliner coming in on approach to San Jose International uh, in, the, in the South Bay area, uh, San Francisco. And it's coming over the uh, San Bruno. And there was a group of uh, astronomers who were set up at, at sunset and had what was at the time a very expensive and powerful camera and noticed that a small ball of light was following this airline and proceeded to take a series of pictures of the of this thing as it pulled up under the tail of the airliner and sort of parked there for a little bit and then broke away and left at a bleak angle um i i think it's one of the one of the best photo cases we've got in our files in terms of explaining just what it is we're looking at and um and how what what one profile of UAP may be. Um, it, it, I think it's a very good case. Uh, other cases, um, we've we've done some work for the Chilean government, and we did a uh, at their request. We did a study of uh, some video segment uh, referred to as the El Bosque case, and um, that's available on, on our CAP website. You have to go into the CEFA section section where we talk about our relationship with the Chileans, uh, but uh, it's in the case files there. And uh, um, it, it's a, a analysis of video shot during an air show by the Chilean Air Force uh, and uh, the capture of some very high-speed UAP moving, uh, jumping from frame to frame uh, at 30 frames per second. Uh, we, we came back thinking that, yes, those were UAP, but four, four uh, different analysis were done of the study and two of them came back negative and two came back positive 
Um, so the Chileans declared that it was inconclusive. And I, I think we got to be a little careful about those types of conclusions and how we score cases. But uh, um, I, I thought it was a particularly interesting case. All right. So you say two, ne- you say two negative, meaning that they were fake. No, that, that, that the, the belief was that the camera was picking up uh, insects and, and artifacts that were external. Um, so there, we, we determined that, that, uh, though the cameras were set far apart, that uh, on at least one occasion they captured the same object uh, at the same time, and uh, uh, and there's a, a number of examples of of what we what we film that we do not or what we analyze that we do not believe are insects uh, that, that we did uh, pixel stretching around it to see if there were wing beats and this kind of stuff and there weren't so. Um, in our in our perspective, we we came down with a solid. Yeah, those are UAP. They're moving. They're jumping from frame to frame at fractions of a second. They're very fast. They weren't very big, um, uh, disc shaped, uh, maybe meter across, and all kinds of questions could arise from that. Uh, are the actual pictures posted online yes, that yeah. our listeners can check? Yes. Um, I actually I had intended to get up the. Uh, uh, I actually collected a bunch of this information based on your listeners' questions, and I had it prepared to go on your, I was going to post it on your site. Well, you know what? Why don't you do that between the time the show airs yeah, and now? Yeah. And that way, when listeners go to forum.theparacast.com, we'll have a section right. for NARCAP, a different one from the questions section. We already have a section there just for people who have questions on the show. We'll set up a thread or a topic area where people can discuss the show and there you can post any further responses, links to photographs, that kind of thing. Sure. That's, that, that's fine. So to, to answer your question, yeah, the study's posted on the NARCAP site in the CEPA section, CEPA section. That's interesting here too. The fact is that you're able to work with the authorities in Chile, able to work with authorities, say in other countries, but not in America. That's right. That's right. Um, the the AIM manual, um, the Airman's manual, uh, basically spells it out, and it says that if you if you're a pilot or an air controller and you, you want to report a UFO, you can contact a UFO uh, reporting center or uh, an aerospace company that will remain unnamed, and they don't want to know. Oh, the one that's unnamed is that like Bigelow? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, my my point is that nothing is going to come of it that will help aviation safety or help pilots. Doesn't the, this also serve as a disincentive for pilots to report anything? I mentioned this on a previous show about this, that we had that telltale scene in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where the traffic controllers are in touch with these pilots reporting UFOs. And they yeah. ask, do you want to report a UFO? And they say no. I yes, wonder yeah. how many good sightings are never reported because the pilots don't want to get involved. It's pretty clear from our experience that that it's we're looking at the tip of a very large iceberg, and as pilots learn about us, they report to us, and it's usually soon after they retire. Uh, it, it's rare that we get a working case. We don't get them that often. That are with we we have to we have to hear about the case uh, within two weeks of the event so that we can uh, FOIA request radar data and this kind of stuff from the FAA, audio tapes and that sort of thing. Um, and it, we don't get those very often. Uh, we do get them sometimes, but but not very often. Usually, our um, our reporters are concerned about their image, and uh, 
will wait until they they can talk about it without affecting their careers. Well, how much cooperation have you received from the commercial pilot organizations and uh, commercial aviation? Uh, I'm sure you've done an outreach program, you know, urging pilots to come forward uh, or aircraft uh, traffic controllers uh, to come forward with any pertinent uh, information re- regarding uh, UAP sightings. How how cooperative have you found uh, the aviation community to be? Well, when you're dealing with pilots and uh, retired pilots, like uh, like retired airline pilots association, uh, that sort of thing, it isn't too too difficult. Um, but when you start dealing with um, administrators and managers, middle managers in FAA, for example, or, or in in uh, commercial airlines themselves, it gets a little dicey. We we did a, a survey of pilots and air crews. Um, we approached a number of uh, commercial airlines and didn't want anything to do with us. And then one airline took us on uh, a regional air carrier uh, and made sure that we ended up in the mailboxes of everybody in the the ready rooms and so on. And we had a, a almost twenty six percent response rate, which is practically unheard of for surveys. And out of that, we did get some helpful data. Um, so. Yeah, uh, it it really uh, it, it it seems to vary with the uh, uh, the culture of the uh, commercial organization. Um, the FAA, on the other hand, are just doggedly not interested in talking to anybody. We have Ted Rowe, executive director of NARCAP, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Independently leading the way for the nation, compelling talk. For every political persuasion, we are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters 
filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more, more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Here in the Paracast with Gene and Chris, we have Ted Rowe, Executive Director of NARCAP, and we're focusing on the strange phenomena happening in our skies, and some call it UFOs, but we're referring to, I guess, the more serious stuff. Isn't it also true that when you talk about UFOs, it has kind of a an aura about it, like flying saucers once did, where you say UFO and they look at it and say, ah, ha, 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 spaceships. But once you refer to it in a different way, strange phenomena, it's taken more seriously. Well, that, that was our experience. Once we adopted the term UAP in 2000, um, you, I mean, you could go back to the Internet archives and see that no, no. U.S. organization was using that term, and now it's commonplace everywhere. Um, and and it's specifically because it has a uh, objective objective quality, which it may be losing a bit given people that are using the term. Uh, but uh, 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 yeah, there's there's definitely a stigma with the term UFO, and, uh, and it's one that we try to avoid using, uh, if at all possible, particularly in conversations with government and that sort of thing we we did a study for this 
the general accounting office uh, interrogating the Air Force on uncorrelated incursions into U.S. air defense zones. We spent three years on that project. And uh, um, and at the time, we didn't use the term UFO at all, I don't think. Uh, it's, it's really important. Uh, it, it can alienate people and create problems if, if, if you don't understand your terminology and know your audience. That's really important. We do have a, a number of questions, as you're aware of, Ted, at forum.theparacast.com, where our listeners are able to post questions for our guests. And Eric the Red, who is one of our uh, new sign-ups here at, uh, at forum.theparacast.com, he's been, he's been with this uh, about a year and a half. He has a couple of interesting questions. And, and, and this, I think, kind of goes into the whole mindset of the skeptic. And He's wondering if you and, and, and Dr. Haynes have a hypothesis as to why many or most skeptics refuse to admit the reality of UAPs. Well, well, it's probably, I'm sure the reason is fairly similar to why many people are true believers without direct experience and without the evidence they need to make the claims they claim. Um, I, I don't, we've been invited to debate with Michael Shermer and some of these other guys and just nothing good comes of it. So we de- decline. Um, they're, they have an agenda, they have a perspective. I don't think the term skeptic is accurate. Uh, a skeptic is open to the potentials and, uh, uh, that's not what, what we see with these folks. They, they consider themselves the vanguards of rationalism. And, you know, they're, they're just another aspect of what happens when we don't engage the unknown honestly. It, it, it's just part of the problem, uh, along with a lot of other problems around the study. It's um, kind of hard to see a UAP if you have your head buried in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's true. But, but at the same time, uh, uh, my experience just I kept sort of an unofficial poll and, and it seems to be about one in six people have direct experience with one in their lifetimes. One uh, in six? Yeah, has seen one themselves. And and, and that's just informal. I just kind of chat my way along, see who pops up and says they saw something and kind of what the odds are there. It's very informal. But, but, you know, um, my point is, is that that there's no given that you could I mean, you could spend every day looking up and not see a a UAP. Well, nowadays, everybody's looking down at their iPhone or their phone. (laughs) Well, well, sure. Sure. Um, um, You know, we don't know what UAP are, and neither do they. They can assert all sorts of reasons why there are no UAP and certainly no incursions taking place. And I hope they're right. But the reality of modern science doesn't support their contentions. And the only way out is through. We have to do the work and get the answers. And, and if they want to sit on the sideline and take pot shots, they can do that. I, I read uh, uh, Magaha's recent report on the Volantich matter, and uh, it was disappointing. Um, would you detail that more for our listeners who don't know quite what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, we just about? had the anniversary. Yes, yes. Um, Freddie Volantich was a young man, a pilot, uh, flew out of uh, uh, Australia one day on, uh, on, a, on a short leg trip and uh, ended up disappearing. But when he did, he had a radio transmission and he was describing to the air controllers that he was seeing a UFO, as he described it. Um, and that um, it was accosting him. And uh, the last bit of audio involves metal on metal. So um, they're not really sure what happened to him. 
Dr. Haynes wrote a book about it, and he offered four perspectives, including an abduction in the air, uh, along with three other more practical explanations. Um, Magaha's explanation is a bit short. Um, uh, and, and prior to that, the same organization offered uh, uh, another explanation that, that was equally useless. Um, so I, I, you know, if, if these guys were really skeptics and they were really good at what they did, I'd, I'd invite them to join NARCAP. You know, we need good minds that, that are that are able to roll with the data and, and do good work. But but I, 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 I'm no more interested in seeing them on board than uh, a number of the UFO uh, believers and so-called researchers out there that I wouldn't want any organization. Now, what about these reality TV shows? that come on and there've been several where they seem to all have this same plot line with the night vision goggles sensationalist approach focusing on cases that have maybe the buzz value of attracting listeners but aren't necessarily factual it's infotainment to sell advertising i, I don't it doesn't help us at all i don't spend any time watching these things um, I don't think they have anything really to contribute to the conversation. They come to us for talking points and, uh, um, and, and occasionally approach us to participate in their shows. And for the most part, we don't. We've done a, a couple of things for National Geographic recently, and NHK got, uh, came by and we did a segment for them. They were pretty good. But, um, but as a whole, we tend to avoid these, uh, uh, these types of productions. Uh, they, they, they rarely pay you, uh, first part, for all the time that they take to have you present in, in their production. Well, they do, often, they do supply you with a lot of slime that you have to wipe off afterwards. <laughs> oh, it's disgusting. It really is. And, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I nothing personal, uh, but I, I can't say that I, I've been very satisfied with the way things have been handled, programs I've been involved with. Um, uh, and I wouldn't encourage anybody to do it. I, I think that the narcissism present in this field is just out of control in that, um, a lot of uh, a lot of folks just you know they get invited to a podium and they can't resist you know it, it doesn't matter if they don't have anything to say and no leg to stand on you know the fact that they're there makes them uh, credible <laughs> you know so well, they're making a living rather than spreading valuable information that, that's my opinion you know the same with ufo conferences for the, you can read that as ufo shows you know and um they, they, they're not conferences that, that people aren't pulling together and breaking out their data and, and, you know, marching into new territory and developing project plans and coming up with funding and that sort of thing. That's not what they're doing, which no. is what a conference is, you know, well, um, it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's more just, I don't know. I, I don't think it helps. Um, one thing it is, is it's a good indicator of the interest in the subject and, and that, that people are struggling with with it. Bully was right when he presented to the UN in 1978. He suggested that a failure by science to engage on the UFO topic would encourage con men and uh, uh, societal ills of various kinds, and it certainly has. You know, everything from the Heaven's, Heaven's Gate suicides to, to a certain one-armed researcher in Switzerland to you name it. There are a lot of folks taking advantage in this situation. And, um, Hey, you got two brothers right there in Hawaii. They're making a lot of dough promoting yep. hoaxes and uh, and disseminating ridiculous uh, uh, footage and photographs that, that are being passed off as, as real. 
And and to me, well, that does such a disservice to the subject, and it, it, it just it digs it uh, deeper into the hole. We're going to break ourselves out of some holes here. We have Ted Rowe joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Big business has discovered the preparedness market, and that makes it difficult to know where to go and who to trust. MyPatriotSupply.com is owned and operated by patriots just like you. Has the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. MyPatriotSupply.com has old-fashioned values and the absolute best customer service in the industry. Look for the deal of the day, unique affordable survival supplies that fit anyone's budget. Get same-day shipping on all orders and free shipping on orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927. 866-229-0927. Or visit MyPatriotSupply.com for emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Shop with a name you know and a name you can trust. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. 
Have you ever noticed how many sick and miserable people there are? I'm serious. I'm talking about people of all ages who have conditions and diseases which affect their quality of life. Most of them seem to have one thing in common, polypharmacy. That is dependence on multiple prescription drugs with side effects that actually make them sicker and sicker, not healthy. The good news is that people are waking up to the fact that if you supply your body with all of the nutrients it requires, you will feel better, be healthier, and have a better life. It's important to know that Beyond Tangy Tangerine is the most amazing, great-tasting, comprehensive nutritional supplement. Besides supplying all the vitamins our bodies need, it also supplies the necessary minerals that are required for the vitamins to kick in. Look, folks, I'm hooked on it, and I think if you try it, you'll become hooked. This stuff really works. That's why I'm urging you to make it part of your daily health regimen. Visit InfoWarsTeam.com to secure your canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine today. Sign up for auto ship and save on shipping costs. That's Beyond Tangy Tangerine at InfoWarsTeam.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Ted Rose, Executive Director at NARCAP. We're talking about the serious side of research into unidentified aerial phenomena. With the two twins promoting, uh, you yes. know, I mean, there are some some actual good photographs and, and good video clips on there, but for every good one, there's there's got to be at least 50 that are just absolute ridiculously uh, transparent in terms of it being a hoax or, or misidentified uh, natural phenomena. Uh, well, yeah, and, and there are a lot of folks taking advantage, uh, not just those brothers. Um, um, there's a certain uh, exopolitics maven living here on the island, too, that uh, uh, promotes a lot of things that are unfounded. Um, uh, I, the, the, the problem is that people are looking for information, and there's a lot of information out there. Most of it is incredible or useful. And, uh, and that's why, like with Narcath, I've had to kind of differentiate us from the, the general ufology field because it, it hurts our message to be associated uh, because they don't manage their own image as well. And um, that, that's where I, I got off the horse with the uh, citizens' hearings recently and some of the other things that have gone on. I was going to ask you about the citizens' hearing. Okay, so they get ex-members of Congress to participate in faux hearings on UFOs. And to be fair, some of the presenters were pretty straight ahead, but other presenters, maybe very few, were a little bit of the woo-woo category. So you think this is a waste of time or what? Well, if somebody would hand me a million dollars for my research budget, I could probably come up with better information and more helpful data than a dog and pony show like that. I mean, if I actually had a research budget that I could work with, that I could uh, set up closed symposia with the top research teams and efforts of merit in the world, um, if I had the kind of budget that would allow me to to have the freedom to travel the way we need to in order to cement these relationships and to uh, uh, coalesce into a larger uh, scientific and global discussion on UAP. Um, I mean, that that those are the directions that are going to make a difference in this. You can bang on the doors of government all day long and and hey i mean you know as dr phil would say how's that working for you doesn't it doesn't seem to have made a lot of difference so far well what really got me was the final speaker uh, or presentation of the entire you know five six days and it 
was uh, the honorable, uh, you know, ex-defense minister of Canada, Paul Hellyer. And I, I just couldn't believe that he picked up a book of uh, a very dubious abductee and started reading verbatim what the ETs were, were telling him. And I, I just, I wanted to do the, you know, the, the vaudeville and, you know, boom. <laughs> it, it, it's right. not too graphic. It's I'm, I'm being, I'm not being graphic enough. I, I was so just jumping up and down inside you know, of course, I was there working as a, a video camera person, so I, you know, I had a job to do. But I just the fact that Bassett allowed that to happen just totally any sort of credibility that you know a few of the the presenters had was just totally thrown out the window with these these ridiculous uh, you know <laughs> comments that uh, were made supposedly from the mouth of ET, and it it just to me it was so ludicrous. I just oh man, that got me got me going, and I'm I'm it's getting me going again. <laughs> well, hey, hey, can I ask you a question, Chris? Um, have you ever seen a UFO yourself? Many, many, many in the San Luis Valley uh, during the '90s, they were almost a nightly occurrence. Um, I've so, seen as many so, as thirteen objects in one sighting, which I actually got some pretty good video footage with night vision. So, uh, of course, so I can't. It, it, it's. It's in your nervous system. It's in your body. You've seen these things. It's made an imprint on you. I've and had a daylight sighting 150 feet away from me that zips so, right across so, the road. So when these people start, if you'll pardon the fun, uh, the, the, the term, you know, talking out of their back ends, um, it, it, it upsets you. And, well, I just can't believe that people are so gullible that they actually and, buy into this uh, stuff. I mean, the particular well, and, and we're talking my, about. My, my point, Chris, is that it upsets me too. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and and when we're trying to get to the root of, of what this is about, and you have all of these folks just standing around putting up noise and trying to seem important and putting their own images in front of the 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 importance of the subject itself, it's really hard to tolerate. It's yeah. really hard to sit quietly and and let the the, the Greers and the Bassets and the so on out there wade around in this you know um, there's not nothing to be done about it other than to avoid it and to decry it when when it's appropriate and you know you got a radio show it's appropriate i don't think yeah. that, that these sort of things help and if, and if, if we really want to get to the bottom of this we need to do the work and yeah. that really with a few efforts of merit set aside has really not been done and that's that's just what it comes down to yeah I, I absolutely agree, and it's it's unfortunate. Not only does it uh, do these individuals, uh, grandstanding individuals, not help; they actually are a detriment. They actually set us back. They and do. They make it. They make the the task of getting funding, of getting you know real involvement by academia in the scientific community, all that much more difficult and, and almost impossible because absolutely. they're just that, screwing everything up. I mean. If somebody would come to me and hand me 1.1 million, you know, I'd, I, they'd get their money's worth out of it. And it wouldn't, oh, yeah. be, in, it wouldn't be some UFO show. You know, no, um, no, and, no. And, I mean, and anybody thinks the U.S. government's going to disclose the extent of their knowledge about this subject. You know, we've already discussed that a lot of this information is probably being held in the private sector, number one. And, and that government officials really are, are pretty much in the dark uh, for the most part. Mm -hmm. But even if there is a body of evidence uh, that's that's being held, uh, maybe in a classified manner, it would be the last thing that they would want to uh, reveal to the public. And 
I think all these other countries coming forward and, and opening up their UFO files, obviously we're not getting them all, but they're doing that, I think, to take the heat off the U.S., to throw everybody a bone so that the U.S. Uh, maybe can skirt by for a little bit longer without having to really deal head on with the issue, which will never be dealt with. It is a national security issue. I don't care what they've said in the past. I don't care what they say now. There's no question in my mind, and you're a perfect person uh, to validate this comment, that these objects do represent uh, lack of control of our airspace by government. And when government's not in control, that's the last thing they want to talk about. Well, that's right. And in particular, this situation, I, um, we've learned quite a lot about about what our governments can do and what they can't do on the subject of ET incursions. And um, um, regardless of whether they're happening or not, even in the hypothetical, we're, we're not in a good position um, to deal with them. Uh, and the effects and fallout of these of, of, of an ET incursion shouldn't be underestimated either. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely not. I, I think the classic example would be Barry Goldwater approaching his longtime friend, uh, you know, General Curtis LeMay and, and asking to see, you know, the blue room at Wright Pad and, and, and you know, find out more about uh, about some of the rumors that were floating around. And it, it was the only time in Goldwater's uh, whole relationship with LeMay that LeMay yelled at him and said, don't you ever ask me that again. I mean, that should tell you something right there. Well, you know, LeMay, uh, LeMay was a, a powerful personality. I mean, we might not have survived if LeMay had gone much further in his career. But, um, but yeah, um, there, there's that truth, the, the forced all matter. Um, there's Dr. James McDonald. So, so there's, there, there's a lot of intrigue around this subject. And, um, and I, I don't think that we're ever going to get to the bottom of it by seeking accountability. Uh, these events occur every day in the public domain, and good observation skills are the first requirement if we want to get to the bottom of this. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of respect for those who'd stand on a podium and declare that an ET presence is a good thing, you know, because some voice in their head told them so. Um, you know, it, there, there's just a lot of this stuff going on out here that it really makes you wonder. Yeah. Um, you get Stephen Hawking's. You know, here, here's a here's a one of the eminent minds of our time. Let's pursue Stephen sure. Hawking's in our next segment. Sure. Now, some of you listeners have asked us why we don't take telephone calls as other radio shows do, so you can ask questions directly of a guest. And the biggest reason is logistics. We record these shows in advance, and not always the same day and time. It depends on the schedule of a guest. So we have a separate mechanism for you to ask questions. It's over at forum.theparacast.com. That's forum.theparacast.com. In our forums, we have a place called The Question Bank. When we have enough warning about a future guest, we'll put up a topic or thread there, and that way you can ask the questions and we'll read them on the air, or at least we'll get as many in as we can. Ted Rowe joins us with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. just an alternative to the mainstream media we're the premier independent talk radio network we are gcn 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Ted Rowe, Executive Director of NARCAP. We're talking about the serious side of unidentified aerial phenomena. No woo-woo stuff here. It's too much of that already with Gene and Chris. You were about to say something in our previous segment, Ted, about Stephen Hawking. Is this his comment about aliens? Well, sure. Um, and, and it's not just about aliens. He he, he commented that, that it was appropriate to talk about aliens, that the numbers were right, that the potentials were there. The probability would be that we would that any aliens we would encounter would be marauding nomads who would rape the earth and, and leave us all destitute. That sounds um, like Independence Day, the movie. Right. And then his next comment was he gives no credit to uh, UFO reports. They seem to only come from crackpots and weirdos. And, you know, there's this cultural disconnect uh, where, on one hand, they can talk about the toxicity and the danger of an extraterrestrial incursion. And then in the very next breath, discount anything that might indicate that it's happening. Um, Enrico Fermi did the same thing with his famous Fermi paradox that he and Edward Teller and Kopaninsky were all sitting around and over lunch one day and um, uh, talking about UFO reports. And then they got to a point where uh, Fermi did some math, some deductive uh, um, fractions, kind of like the Drake equation, and came, up, came to the conclusion that Earth should have been visited many times over. Where are they? So here they are on one hand, they're talking about UFO reports, and then on the other hand, 
where are the aliens? And there's this this disconnect that exists in our our culture, particularly amongst the bright ones, that uh, I, I think is direct fallout from the Robertson panel and related activities. Uh, and and it, and it, it, it if, if even one of these UAP reports really is an ET incursion, we're behind the eight ball, and it's because of attitudes like that. Doctor Hawkins is obviously oblivious to the fact that that some of the best reports out there come from military and involve military engagements and radar and so on. Cases like the Minot V-52 case in 68, North Dakota, things like that, very well documented cases. And, and yet they don't, they just get discounted. They don't even give it the time of day. I, I think it's sloppy thinking is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that leads me to another question from one of our posters, Eric the Red, who's posted his question at forum.theparacast.com. And he's wondering, in the UAP literature, Ted, what do you think are the most credible books, papers, or bodies of research that you would recommend to a scientifically-minded but open-minded skeptic that could possibly inform him and bring him up to speed on some of the really amazing cases that we do have? Oh, I I think um, if they're at all scientifically-minded or have hard science or mathematics, I would recommend Paul Hill's book on unconventional flying objects for starters. Yeah, I would. I would also offer Richard Dolan's work, uh, as far as a historical analysis goes, to to put it in a context. Um, I would offer uh, oh the uh, various government reports, like the the Ministry of Defense of the UK's uh, so-called Condine report, which is a, a very good and large study on UAP. Although the conclusions are a bit rocky, the I, I would recommend uh, the Comita report from the French. Uh, even though it was an independent study and involved many officials involved with UAP research in France and, and former directors of their official research teams. Leslie um, Keene's book has some good, uh, very good, uh, you know, firsthand uh, reports by military personnel uh, up close and personal encounters, especially the Chilean Air Force uh, case. I, I, I was going to mention her last and give her the most time I, because she certainly has done a good job with her book. And uh, and as a resource, it, it is a good research, resource to open people's minds on, on this subject. I think, though, if you want science involved, it, it's a combination of documentation and, and you need some, somebody to, to help you get published somewhere where it uh, get attention. Um, most mainstream science journals won't touch the subject. Uh, although uh, one of our guys managed to get a paper in to the British Planetary Society uh, called uh, Inflation theory implications for extraterrestrial visitation. So basically, if you em- embrace certain cosmologies, then you have to deal with the, the, the SETI aspects that come along as well. So I'd re- I would recommend those for reading starters. I think that's a good list to, uh, for our listeners to jot down. If you have any, any uh, high-powered scientists in your uh, sphere of influence, lay a list on them and say, hey, what do you think of some of this information uh, when you can carve out some time? Why don't you uh, peruse this information and uh, and tell us what you think? I, I, you know, I think it's, that's really important. Have you ever encountered this scenario? This is another Eric the Red question. Um, have you ever encountered the scenario of a skeptic, a scientist in particular, doing a 180-degree turn in their view on this subject on account of being exposed to, let's say, your research? Well, you know, Eric's asking some good questions here, and—, and um, Let's just go back to what a skeptic is for a minute here. Uh, a true skeptic doesn't require any uh, convincing from me. 
he'll look at the material and he'll make his own decision out of it and it'll be based on his his skill set and his understanding of what he's looking at and um nine times out of ten if the materials are presented correctly he'll understand it and it'll become part of his perspective as he looks forward uh and and he won't discount it because of of, because it's preposterous or an unfortunate in, interest or something like that the debunker on the other hand needs to be convinced and i don't have any time for that mind that that mind has got a, a wall up that it needs to do something about and it's not my problem to fix uh that that mind is convinced and and it can believe and do what it wants to do like any mind can and should uh but i'm not going to waste any time trying to convince it otherwise i've had a lot of people who were on the fence come off the fence or at least a little further to my side of the fence looking at the material but i've never i i can't say i've ever had anybody who was adamantly against it ever come around to my way of thinking so it's not really a there a good portion of science today the scientists today were raised in the star trek universe you know you don't have to they they, they are already thinking about these things there are i for every one scientist that is an absolute no, I, I meet what a dozen that, that are at least open. You know, science isn't the problem here. It's, it's it's the data and how it's presented and who it's presented to. And as we pull it together, this is what I'm finding very heartening about our work with the Chilean government and now our presentation and our work with the French government coming up next month. Um, is that that these these organizations of fairly high credibility are are pulling together now. They're starting to um, interact with each other they're starting to share data and methodology and um and concerns and starting to talk a little bit and th this is really really important it's a very important first step that's been in the offing for the last 50 years so yeah. um it'll be those guys that make the change it'll be that that effort that makes the change in my opinion well, another thing that would help uh, is uh, possibly related to this next question by Kana Karras, who's a, f a poster at forum.theparacast.com, and he wonders about the numbers. Um, are, are reports that you guys are rece uh, receiving, are they declining? Are, are, is there any sort of patterning uh, within these reports? Are we seeing uh, an upsurge of reports because people may be uh, more apt to to report them now maybe this subject is is getting less toxic let's talk about your your database a little bit uh any sort of patterns of activity ebbing and flowing uh any any uh anything that you can uh, address there well I, I i wouldn't say the report numbers are going down at all the a lot of it has to do with who we reach and, and when we reach them you know as far as pilot reporters go uh, as the word gets to them, they get to us, and you know, it's just been a process of word of mouth, putting it out there. We haven't had a huge budget. Dr. Haynes and I have run NARCAP out of our own pockets for the last 14 years. We're, we're getting our nonprofit status shortly, so the IRS tells me, um, and then we can start looking for a real budget. But uh, um, but even even at that, you know, we've seen a steady increase in reports over time, and a lot of people are, are recognize this. I watch our website statistics and so on. And I've seen a steady uptick there as well. So the general, as the general population becomes more aware of this, then we get more reports. Um, now, in regard to the frequency of UFO sightings, now MUFON reported quite a few in their newsletter. Also, Chris Rutkowski, the Canadian UFO researcher, has been on the Paracast on several occasions, reported a wave of UFO cases 
last year. I'm going to ask you more about that in a moment. Ted Rowe joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Mike Stennerson for Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn 
more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Ted Rowe is joining Gene and Chris in the Paracast. He's executive director of NARCAP. Now, just to recap something you mentioned in the previous segment, you're in the process of getting your nonprofit status. Of course, you're not a member of the Tea Party, so it's easier, right? Yeah. I don't know. You know, we've been we've had our application in for two years now. So you're not involved in any politics, but it still takes a long time. It's not so easy. Yeah, apparently. I, I My last conversation with the IRS was very promising, so I anticipate that our status will come through shortly. But it took a long time, and, and uh, I'm not sure why that, that was. In other but, words, uh, it's nothing personal. <laughs> I'm hoping it was nothing personal. <laughs> but yeah, they, they've uh, we're moving forward now uh, with a 501c3 status. We are a nonprofit corporation in the state of Washington. So and, if you uh, are a resident of the state of Washington, you could donate and take it off your tax returns. Absolutely. And of course, we have a lot of aviation being done in Washington state. So I'm hoping that there's a, an interest there that, that might express itself in some support for our efforts. Our, our travel budget alone is daunting just to deal with the Chileans and the French on their terms. We have to be able to move to them, you know, so we, we appreciate any help. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you thought of having like a newsletter or something to maybe bring in some money? Yes, yes. I'm actually in the process of preparing volume one, issue one, as we speak. I, I'm putting together a couple of things that, that should be incentives for people to make donations. And, and, and I'm trying to expand and change our program a little bit because we, we've been our own organization for 14 years and beholden to nobody. Nobody's claimed NARCAP as, a, as, a, as a, an expense and we haven't made any money through NARCAP, but we, we've had absolute control of what we do. And we've been able to control and protect our image. And we've been able to keep certain interests from buying into our organization and gaining control, that sort of thing. So we, now we have to change and adapt a little more to the public environment and, um, and find other strategies to maintain our autonomy. There was one question here from Han where he said, please ask Mr. Rowe to talk about any reported incidents where onboard equipment has been interfered with by UAP. To be more specific, to his knowledge, are there any incidents where a pilot has observed technical malfunctions or failures in their equipment or airplane and flight data, cockpit recordings, automated diagnostic logs, black box, etc., has recorded the same? What I'm trying to ask is, what is Mr. Rowe's opinion on whether UAP affect only the pilot's perception, or can they be responsible for interference or damage that can be demonstrated with physical, tangible evidence? Interesting. Well, that's a great question, Han. That, that really good question. Um, and yeah, there are many examples of con- concurrent EM effects on electrical systems. 
And there are examples of those effects being documented either by third parties, direct examination, et cetera. Uh, one good example is, I mentioned earlier, the 1968 Minot B-52 case um, that, along with gun radar detection of the UAP, included a loss of communications as documented by both air crew and control tower. Um, Tom Tulin did an excellent job of documenting that case, um, and I'll, I'll provide the link later. Um, there are other cases as well. Um, our, our technical report three, um, NARCAP technical report three is titled a preliminary study of 64 pilot sighting reports involving alleged electromagnetic effects on aircraft systems. It was written by Dr. Richard Haynes and, and Dominic Weinstein, who's a, a, a member of the French College of Experts supporting GPAN. Um, and in it, most of the effects that we see um, involve, uh, well, let's see, in their study, 79% uh, uh, of the cases involved electrical systems, 6% uh, involved uh, power plant systems, onboard radar contacts in 6% of the cases, uh, et cetera. Radio function was uh, affected most often, uh, followed by compass reading errors. Uh, and, and that general aviation aircraft were more likely to be affected than commercial or military type aircraft. Uh, and most commonly, those cases involving concurrent EM effects involved ground UAP or lights. So, um, so yes, they do happen. It's beyond the perceptual range of the pilot. It's a physical manifestation, and they have been documented in third-party situations. Let me go to the follow-up question from Han. All right, we have this other question from Han. I have heard mention of UAP reports that involve odd-looking aircraft. That is to say that the witness reports seeing a plane or a helicopter, but something in its configuration is strange or out of place. Can Mr. Rowe recall any similar reports? Um, well, yes and no. Um, um, and I kind of wrote a response for Han here, so pardon me if it sounds a little bit read out. Um, for the most part, UAP reports fall into general profiles of singular lights, objects with lights on them, unlit objects. Those that appear as objects seem to fall into general profiles most commonly representing basic geometric forms, spheres, ablates, spheroids, or disks cylinders, triangles, cones, and occasionally forms that morph into different shapes. There are those that seem to morph into various shapes with no seeming rationale. And then there are UAP that seem to display characteristics of terrestrial aviation, like flashing running lights, though they are clearly not attached to a commonly recognized airframe. We have heard of UAP that morph into vaguely recognizable aircraft, but have yet to see many such reports in the data. I recently came across a report from a local fisherman whereby he described putting a handheld spotlight on an object hovering over his boat it looked a lot like a jet aircraft, but was quiet. And when it left, it moved towards orbit at a very high rate of speed from a dead stop. So these cases are not unheard of, but we don't have many of them in our particular database. Let's move into another question here. And this is something that we kind of asked in one direction, but not completely. If time permits, please ask Mr. Rowe to talk about the differences in protocol between military and civilian pilots when they encounter a UAP and how this varies between different nations or states, and any changes you'd like to see in that protocol. As we said, we kind of covered the pilot reporting procedure earlier, but maybe you can expand upon it there. Well, as I mentioned, the FAA really doesn't want to know uh, unless, it's, unless it's reported to the uh, Aviation Safety Reporting System confidentially. They really don't have a portal to take those cases. Um, and if a pilot does encounter one, I encourage them to do that, to 
make a report to the ASRS uh, because we have access to their database and can can work with it from there. Um, uh, of course, the military debriefs its pilots and and everything. All data there is protected by security oaths. In other countries, it's a bit different. The French collect data uh, and train their air controllers and pilots to make UAP reports. So do the Chileans. The Argentinians are getting into that mode, I believe. I'm not sure about how the Peruvians handle it yet, but but I think they have an education program and a data collection program that goes across their bureaucracy. Personally, I, I, I these are all good steps. I think every nation should have some kind of a dedicated UAP research group. Uh, they should be coordinating with other national UAP research groups. I think there should be some overarching uh, authority around the subject, maybe located in the UN ICAO, their International Civil Aviation Org. We have more of your questions coming, and we have more comments from our guests this week. We're joined on the Paracast by Ted Rowe. He's executive director of NARCAP. And we've covered a lot of ground, but there's more to come. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Americans have always been ready to defend, to serve, and to honor those who defended and are defending all of us. So this month, the Freeze-Dry Guy honors and serves Americans with our meat, rice, and potato sale. Our unit includes four number 10 cans of quality Mountain House cooked diced beef, ground beef, diced chicken, white rice, and two cans of FDG dehydrated diced potatoes. 158 servings per case unit. And during the Freeze-Dry Guy's meat, rice, and potato sale, get one case for only one 79, two cases for only $3.55, or get three cases for only $5.15, and all come with lots of valuable freebies. For details, click freezedryguy.com and hurry. Sale ends soon. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Plus, free shipping to the lower 48 states from the Freeze Dry Guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. 
General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335 question could too many gmo foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems answer yes if you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day use pro em1 from terraganics Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Dot com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X dot com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro EM1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. We have Ted Rowe with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. He's executive director of NARCAP, which, of course, puts him in a wonderful, enviable position of getting loads and loads of cases. Now, I want to just cover one particular question here. This is from Eric the Red, and it's a long question, so I'm going to kind of be brief about it, because by and large, this is something where you know, he may not be able to give the answers. So have you received any communications, either written or verbal, Ted Rowe, either you or Dr. Haynes, from scientists, government officials, FAA officials, control tower personnel, pilots with distinguished careers, astronomers, NASA scientists, engineers, etc., where they admit off the record they think there's something real, there's something genuine about UAP? Uh, good question, and the short answer is yes. Well, Gene, I, I, I could I, I could answer that for you, but then I'd have to kill you. Well, just get in line. <laughs> no, but really, the, the, the short answer is yes. Um, privately, many people, off the record, are very curious about this subject and have opinions about it, and that includes astronomers and uh, air controllers and, and just about everybody on that list. I've heard from some example thereof who's very concerned and interest in the, interested in the, the subject. And they um, all have reasons, I suppose, for not coming forward. Well, they do. They do. Um, and some of those reasons may involve their, their concern for their image, um, and probably rightly so in most cases. It, uh, it's not a, a safe subject to, to be too open about. Um, and then uh, uh, 
you know, uh, the, the other half of it is, is that we as a, uh, as a, a race may not be able to handle what, what is already known. Um, and uh, I'm a big fan of democracy, uh, and I don't like other people telling me what I can handle. But, but at the same time, I don't know everything around this subject, so I can't really sit in judgment of those who might have made decisions around this. Um, Let me ask you something here, which is maybe implicit in the previous question and the response. Do you know of any of these high-profile UFO, UAP skeptics who privately believe in their reality, but publicly have to maintain the skeptical posture? Well, no, I no, not not in particular. Again, I, I, when you say skeptic, I'm, I'm thinking debunker. Yes. So in, in that sense, no, they're they're pretty entrenched. Um, uh, if anything, they won't touch cases that they can't introduce some plausible denial to. So, no, I, I like I said earlier in the show, if, if I could. If I could get a true skeptic on board, that would be just fine with me. That's that's the kind of mind we want in, in this study. But uh, uh, debunkers just really don't have much to add to the, the conversation, in my opinion. So I'll ask then, have you ever converted a skeptic to well, believing I, something serious about the subject because of your research? I've brought people who are scientists and who are critical-minded closer to the subject but but that was because of their mindset, not because I influenced them differently. Um, people believe what they want to believe, and until they decide that their belief needs to be upgraded, changed, or dropped, they won't do it. And I can spend all the time in the world showing them charts and graphs and photographs and stories and claims and everything else, and, and it won't make any difference to, to a person who, who, who's already made up their mind. Um, a true skeptic hasn't made up their mind, uh, and they understand that science is a philosophy one of many philosophies that we use to determine knowledge in, in our reality and, and that it's generally the slowest, <laughs> um, but, but the most meticulous in terms of developing knowledge. So uh, there's a lot of frustrations with science and scientists out there, but, you know, if you do the work, then the science comes right along. You're doing it, you know. Let's move on to the next one here. Okay. I know we have one person who says, sorry, I'm interested in UFOs, not UAPs. Better move along to the next question. I think somebody's goofing there. <laughs> Let me ask you about another focus of UFO research, and that is abductions. Mm-hmm. And that gets to be pretty controversial, pretty dicey. Yeah. Obviously, it goes to follow that if UFOs are ET, it's always possible. They came in contact with Earthlings. It's always possible one of these cases involves something related to a real ufo or uap mm-hmm. does narcap get involved in that kind of research uh not no dr haynes has had an interest in it over over his career but uh as as it's not our we follow pilot testimony wherever that leads us where we go and interestingly enough we have one or two cases involving missing time aircraft returning with more gas than they should have and uh, after having been in the air than they were thought to be or planned to be. Um, and, you know, the, the, the jury's out on what exactly happened. Uh, but, but those are fairly rare. We tend to have more common aviation cases of uh, observations and incidents involving objects, but, but not necessarily. The, the crew effects being more medical than anything, night blindness, that kind of stuff, versus uh, being abducted, per se. Okay, so your focus obviously is on aviation-related sightings. 
for those who call you up or write you or something and say, hey, I saw something in my car or while walking in the street or something or in my backyard, where do you send them? Well, and for, first off, it kind of depends on where all that is. You know, if they're near an aviation facility, we might dig a little deeper, see if there's any reports coming out of there or, or uh, even reach out with a FOIA request if it looks like it might be promising. Um, I, I usually send them to MUFON or New Fork um, to make reports so, so that the data itself doesn't get lost. Let's talk about your ongoing research. What programs, in addition to working with the authorities in Chile and the people in France, what projects are you engaged in now that you feel might bring some fruit to your investigation? Well, um, part of it is the participation with these teams. We have a uh, uh, GPAN, the French team, is holding a closed workshop next month, and we submitted a paper for their uh, approval, which we did receive, and now we get to present that at their workshop. So participating in, in, in the global discussion around this is, is really, really important. Um, and and, uh, and as an administrator of the organization, I, I don't run the science. I, 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 I'm the team administrator. Um, I, I think it's very important for us to develop these uh, relationships and, and to focus a lot on, on what makes science move in, in the, the larger culture versus uh, um, uh, oh, particular science projects. We, 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 I, I'm, I'm working on some papers right now that, that are kind of addressing this idea that uh, more needs to be done at a global level uh, and, and to try and address the questions around the extraterrestrial hypothesis because all of these organizations, whether it's the French or the Chileans or the Argentinians, the Peruvians, and even us are constantly assailed with this question of, do you think they're ET? And, uh, uh, and we need an answer for that. The world needs an answer for that. So we're working a bit on how to, how to make a proper statement there that, that might be of some help in further the conversation. Um, so those are just some of the things on the table that we're kicking around right now. What portion of sightings you encounter are indicative of possible test aircraft of some sort? Well, I, I couldn't give you a, a percentage of cases, but, but I will say that whenever we come across a case that might involve national security, we drop it like a hot potato. Um, and um, generally speaking, that's handled by Dr. Haynes and his research group. I don't know how many cases he's just ducked, but there's been a couple that, that we just flat said no, no further. Okay, the corollary question then is, do you think some of the high-profile UFO cases might have involved test aircraft I'm thinking as far back as Roswell. Was it a mogul balloon? Was it a test aircraft that crashed? And people 30 years later maybe expanded the memories? It's a question I'm going to leave for you to answer in our final segment. We've got Ted Rowe. He's executive director of NARCAP. If you go to NARCAP, N-A-R-C-A-P dot org, you'll learn more about the organization. And Ted also drops into the Paracast forums from time to time. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. The best free fuel stoves on the market for disasters and survival are Silverfire. Its clean cook stove technology allows you to pasteurize emergency drinking water, cook a meal, or sanitize your cookware with just twigs. A U.S. veteran-owned company, Silverfire's mission is emergency and recreation cooking products. Made of quality stainless steel, Silverfire's wide line of indoor and outdoor models range from solo backpack models to large family units. Cook cleanly and for free. Get yours today at silverfire.us. That's silverfire.us. Harvest Right is the world's first in-home freeze-dryer. Freeze-dry your own fruits, vegetables, meats, and full meals. With Harvest Right, you can prepare foods that last 25 years, preserving its freshness, nutrition, color, and taste. All your food can be freeze-dried. So don't throw away your leftovers. Freeze-dry them with this incredible in-home money-saving freeze-dryer. Go to HarvestRight.com to see how the Harvest Right freeze-dryer works. That's HarvestRight.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. I'm Kay Swirling from KSCO Radio in Santa Cruz. I'm 93 years old, and I'm a big fan of Alex Jones because he has the courage to speak his mind more than just about anyone I know. Alex is just as bothered as I am about all the advertising you hear for toxic prescription drugs that make you sicker, not healthy. I prefer to give my body all 90 essential nutrients it needs for life to prevent prevent disease, not compound it. My favorite complete supplement is Beyond Tangy Tangerine from Longevity, which I take every day along with EFA Plus and Beyond OsteoFX. I recommend you go online to InfoWarsTeam.com to purchase these products and make them part of your daily regimen to get healthy and live longer. InfoWarsTeam.com
Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Ted Rowe of NARCAP joins us. He's executive director. And the question I posed to him, which is kind of related to whether they've received reports of possible test aircraft, what about some of these older classic cases like Roswell? I don't think we're ever going to get a definitive answer on Roswell. uh, The Air Force certainly hasn't provided adequate answers, and, and the research is starting to chase its tail now. So it's hard to be certain what's coming out of Roswell. Um, they they offered that it was a, a mobile test array, but the dates aren't right. Um, the uh, uh, the idea that that UAP reports reflect either classified aircraft or maybe drones isn't lost on us. And uh, we are doing studies on drones and drone lighting patterns and all kinds of things in order to be able to determine a drone from a UAP. I I think it's possible. I I read a, a study a while back suggesting that maybe. Um, uh, Kenneth Arnold's original sighting near Mount Rainier back in the 40s that kind of started the whole media fury around UFOs uh, might have reflected uh, a test flight of uh, German Horton aircraft that were sort of moon-shaped or flying wing kind of aircraft. So I do think there's a potential for some of these cases. At the same time, you have cases where UAP manifests directly over facilities like O'Hare, where they show up over cities. This kind of stuff, which doesn't seem very prudent for black projects to be doing, but um, unless it's psyops of some kind. What do you think about government disinformation, the feeling that some of the information being followed in the UFO field itself is actually placed there just to confuse everybody? Well, it wouldn't surprise me. If nothing else, it's a fascinating laboratory to work on memes and this kind of stuff. I, I would think the intelligence community would be dabbling more active in it just for the exercise of it um i i i do think that that uh, there are a lot of people looking for conspiracies and uh, a lot of folks who are seeing aliens under uh, behind every tree and under every rock and and i think at some point you have to get that under control and really consider what your government is and what it does look at how it acts in the world look at the competence it brings to the other activities that it engages and then ask yourself if it's really capable of handling something as 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 delicate as as this in that fashion i i i i do think that there's probably some some disinformation involved i don't know the reasoning behind it all because i don't know the government story in it all but um um that's why i tend to go back to the data itself and just say just look at the cases you know do the work treat it like you treat any other um, study and and uh, don't extrapolate too much and just let the data stack up um, and you can recreate pretty much whatever's known in the private sphere in the public domain because it happens in front of everybody so let me ask you a crazy hypothetical question you may not want to answer a certain multimillionaire who owns a lot of hotels and has been involved in the paranormal field with grants like to move on if he went to NARCAP, and maybe he's done it already and you won't tell us, but if he came to NARCAP and said, look, here's $5 million, what would you do? How would you handle it? Well, in my experience, that personality doesn't come without strings attached. And um, 
generally speaking, every time I've seen that personality go into that mode, the strings attached are unacceptable. And I would say no. And I've said no in the past. Has he come to you, the one we're talking about? Um, yeah. Yeah, for various reasons. Um, he, he has an interest in buying up uh, researcher files and this kind of stuff. And uh, um, I, I, I put a strong no vote on, on all of those activities. How closely do you work with other organizations exploring UAP, UFOs, etc.? You mentioned, for example, MUFON as an alternative for reporting sightings that aren't the ones that you will particularly cover. Right, right. Um, it, it just depends. Um, sometimes we'll, we'll help with an aviation case. Um, for example, the uh, Merlin C-26 case out of Mexico that had everybody all excited with uh, orange balls of light near the airplane, all right. of that. Um, we, were, we were approached rather quickly with, with data on that to, to offer a second opinion. And once we got a hold of the manufacturer of the, of the uh, infrared system and we had the azimuth and the heading and the altitude of the aircraft, we were able to determine fairly conclusively that it had detected uh, oil flares on oil rigs um, at a distance. And even so, the case won't die. But that's been confirmed by other researchers as well. Um, so, so we, we, we will work with people from time to time and not publish. It just depends on what the subject matter is and what kind of relationship we have with them. Speaking of cases that don't pass muster or are conventional, are you exposed to many hoaxes at all? Do people come to you with stuff they know to be fake, hoping to fool NARCAP? Well, so far we haven't had any cases that were manufactured out of whole cloth, but, but, uh, uh, we did a, a fairly intensive study of the O'Hare matter, whereby a UAP allegedly manifested over sea terminal at O'Hare for 25 minutes or so and was seen by a lot of people. And, um, I handled the photographic evidence portion of that study, which isn't my strong suit, but fortunately there were literally no photographs submitted to me um, that were credible of, of the phenomenon at the time. And there were a number of them that were clearly not and were submitted to to throw us off track i, I would assume um, and there was one in particular that uh, i think it was uh i think it was david biedney yeah one of the guys at above top secret did a study on a particularly promising picture but it turned out to be a little too spooky for us to get behind um not it, it didn't have the it had some data markers in it that were we couldn't resolve uh, as to the case itself what do you think well, I, I think that something happened at O'Hare. I think it was seen and it was documented and described, and it was pretty much as described by the ramp controller and the various people on the ground. Um, I don't think there was radar data that, that was conclusive out of it, and that's to be expected in these cases as well. Um, I, I think it was a classic example of an incursion into a Class B restricted airspace by an unidentified and um, and nobody had a proper answer for dealing with it when it happened because nobody's been educated that it can happen. Um, so uh, there was more backdoor information out of that that we couldn't publish, but we have contacts. Uh, we have we have some NASA officials on staff and, and at our um, as resources as well um, that implied that there were safety issues around that that manifestation, but we don't. Uh, I, I, I don't have anything I can publish or speak about in public. But Okay, you've just wet our appetite, though, safety issues. But certainly yeah. the presence of any aircraft that's unknown 
out of their control or purview can present some kind of threat, can't it? If you're on final approach and this thing's hovering off the edge of your runway, you don't know if it's going to move into your path of travel or not. And these things are unpredictable. Nobody knows what direction they're going. But they, just that when they go, they tend to go quickly. And, uh, um, and, and it's not in control. So, yeah, it's a hazard to, to aviation safety, pure and simple. Ted Rowe, we're just about out of time. Would you tell our listeners if they're interested in learning more about NARCAP, how do they get a hold of you? Certainly. Um, we can be reached at www.narcap.org. There's a contact us form in there if you're a pilot or an air controller or you want to talk to us. We also need volunteer help, both in administration as well as research. We can certainly use funders and funding help. Uh, we, we need to come up with a trip to Paris in uh, about five weeks to get uh, one of our team there uh, for working with the French government team. Um, so uh, any help that any of our of your listeners can be, we, we, we welcome uh, potential funders and uh, uh, volunteers, and we look forward to hearing from you. That's narcap.org. We've linked it over at thepowercast.com. And he's also participating in our forums at forum.thepowercast.com, Ted Rowe. You can find us on Twitter, where we're known as The Powercast. Look for The Powercast on Twitter. Look for, A, since there are two of them, Powercast Fan Club on Facebook. And our own Chris O'Brien has his own site, ourstrangeplanet.com, ourstrangeplanet.com. He also has a new book out, Stalking the Herd, a definitive book on cattle mutilations. You can order a copy from his site. He'll autograph it for you. And, of course, he makes all the profit because it's not all going to Amazon. Ted Rowe, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Paracast. Thank you, Gene. It was a real pleasure. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>